It's a delight to be with you, and we're so thankful that God enabled us to be part of what we call the Grace Church, Grace Fellowship Church family. Uh, this morning, we are continuing on with our series on Compelled, and more specifically, we're going to speak this morning about roles, finding your role. Now, here's a question for you. When we get to heaven, are we going to worship? Yes. And we're going to say, praise Him, and with the elders, we're going to bow down before Christ, right? Are we going to have fellowship? You bet. I can't wait to sit down with Paul and say, Paul, there's some stuff I didn't understand that you wrote. What did you mean? <laughs> are we going to have evangelism? Are we going to have evangelism in heaven? No. Because it's God's redeems that's gathering. Are we going to have missions? No. Are we going to have to feed the poor? Clothe the poor? No. Why did Jesus left us on planet earth? When he changed our lives and made us part of his kingdom. Friends, he didn't change us. And we're not born into his kingdom to evaporate from planet earth. But because he wants to seed planet earth with a life of the kingdom. And that's why it's important to distinguish your role and my role. What is it that God wants us to be? Now, there's many different gifts, different roles, and different things we can do. Uh, we read in Romans 12, verse 6 through 8. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This is but a partial list. Let's ask God to teach us today what our role is. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we say thank you. Thank you that you've left us on planet earth to be your aroma to those who don't know you yet and to those who know you. And we come this morning, Lord, some of us deeply hurting, some with deep troubles, some with broken relationships. Lord, we're all broken people, but thank you that you want to use us. And we simply ask that you will teach and show us. And, oh, Father... From your heavenly table, help me as one beggar to show other beggars where the bread is. And feed us today till we want no more. Amen. What's your role? Now, it's important. There's two major categories we have to keep in our mind. The one is some people are called as missionaries. Not everybody is a missionary. Two weeks ago, we had some missionaries here, right? And they are the people because there are more than three billion people on planet Earth that will never hear the good news of Jesus Christ unless somebody from the outside go in and tell them. So missionaries 
will always be there, and it's always the church's task. We've never been exempt from that. That's why Grace Fellowship Church, we are sending missionaries. But at the same time, everybody is called to live mission. No. That means we have to live with a mindset. How can we share the hope that's within us, as the Apostle Paul encourages us, right? I must know how to give my testimony. How do I, as these gifts are put forth, how do I serve? How do I teach? How do I encourage? How do I show mercy? Those are all parts, roles we play. And all of them are important. We're the body of Christ, and the body has different parts. Not everybody's eye, not everybody's ear, not everybody's feet or hands. Imagine if I tried to walk on my hands on this stage. Don't imagine it, you'll laugh too much. But just imagine, will I make progress? No. No, I've got to walk on my feet. My hands have a different purpose. And men and women, I stand before you today, the only reason I am proclaiming the word of God is because that's the gift God gave me. I've got to steward it. I have no option. I'm not better than you are. We're all the same. We have different roles. I've got the old-timey watch. It's not digital. Got a face on it. Got to, and we say, what's the time? And we look at the hands of the watch, right? And so the watch are the hands and the face, right? Wrong. You and I know within this watch, there are gears. And within those gears, there's an axle. And on the axle is a drop of oil that my eye cannot even see. And guess what? If that drop of oil is not there, this watch is worthless. Just because a person like myself with a... And you guys got funny accents, but anyway, <laughs> are, are speaking here, it doesn't mean that I'm more important. We're one. You have a role. And if your role is to be a drop of oil on an axle, no, without you, the body of Christ cannot function. What is your role? Prayer. Guess what? Prayer doesn't need a passport. It doesn't need a visa. It doesn't need a work permit. And Jesus, as a matter of fact, said, there are some things so difficult. He said, when his disciples couldn't drive out demons, he said, these are not driven out without fasting and prayer. And that fasting and prayer doesn't have to be done over there. You can do it right here. Two weeks ago, we sent missionaries out. Your prayers for them will enable them to obtain victories where they are. We forget often that mission and evangelism is simply the mopping up operations, right? Because the real battles have been won through prayer. We hope that you will find your role. And here at Grace Fellowship Church, Church, we want to establish a team to help with that. If you're interested to learn more about missions, sign up. There's a sign. I believe 28 people already have signed up. And I hope many more will sign up. And we'll connect with you because as we go on, we hope that sometime in the future, and please don't come and say, Gil, when are we meeting? These are all tentative, okay? Can you say that? It's tentative. But we're thinking of what if we have once a month a meeting? Maybe on a Sunday after the, at 11 o'clock, where we pray for missionaries and even by Zoom talk with them. 
What if once a month we have a prayer meeting just for missionaries on a Wednesday evening? What if we have a book club where we read these books that you're buying and maybe there's 10 or 12 years says, I'm interested in this and we'll gather and I'll be delighted to sit down and we discuss it together. What if we have some four-week periods of training about missions and making ourselves aware of what can happen, what we, how we can fit in, what people are doing, what God is doing in his kingdom work, as Pastor Ben referred to earlier. What if we start going on mission trips again? These are all possibilities. You have a role. And by God's grace, we're committed to help you find that role. But now, not only do we have a role, but we've got to say, so in that role, what do I do? James says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. And then, what we mean by that is, the gospel and missional work is not only proclamation of the gospel, it's also demonstration. It's word and deed. It's proclaiming the gospel and demonstrating it. Because without works, faith is dead. And you'll notice that Jesus did that all the time. Just look at how he did it. We read in Luke 9, he called the 12 together. And what did he send them out to do? He sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Preach and heal. Word and deed. And with the 72 others, the same thing. He said in verse 9, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Demonstration, proclamation, deed, and word. And Jesus himself, when he went out in Matthew 9, it says he went preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Jesus himself seamlessly integrated proclamation and demonstration of the gospel. Men and women, that is what it means to be missional. It doesn't mean I've just got to stand in the corner of a street somewhere and preach the gospel. No, it is living it out. You're the aroma of Christ where you are. Do you understand that's why we have a dream center? God led Pastor Jeff and this church to establish it, not because this is a great idea and it's it's some good works. No, this is a mandate from Jesus Christ. And quite frankly, I deeply believe if churches are not involved with the poor around them. We are not doing the gospel. We cannot talk about a Jesus Christ, a personal Savior who set us free from the bondage of sin and not also understand that that same Jesus is deeply concerned about enslavement, deeply concerned about feeding the poor and ministering to them. If we don't do that, it's not the gospel. So at the at our beautiful center, you've got adopt a block, and you may want to explore it. Uh, in the lobby, you can pick one of these up. They're for free. Don't have to pay for it. Learn more about what this is, okay? It explains to you some of these things. Adopt a block where people once a month, uh, at least once a week on Mondays, go into South York. Join Alan and, and do it sometime. Maybe not to commit yourself to always do it, but be exposed to what there is and what God can use you for. The community closet where basic needs are met. You've heard about that, the yard sale coming up. Maybe you want to volunteer just one day to find out more about it. There's harvest. 
where people are receiving food and people are fed. And if you haven't been there, just walk down this building of ours before you go home today and see that what's going on there. You can be part of it. Again, not a life commitment. Maybe it's one day to say, let me just see. What is God saying to me about it? And because God is interested in the whole person, there's also a counseling center in him where pain and suffering meet hope and healing. It's holistic. And by the way, the ministry I'm involved in, Life in Abundance, we do the same thing. We work in the Horn of Africa, which is on the, uh, look at the map of Africa, it's that little horn, that top northern part, northeastern part. Countries such as Ethiopia, Sudan, Egypt, Somalia, Djibouti, Eritrea, those are involved there. Deeply unchristian and unevangelized, but also deeply needy areas. And you can see what we do, our ministry model there. Uh, it's, it's health, it's education, it's economic empowerment, it's social engagement, it's the whole person. And we don't do it because we're social gospel, please. No, it's the blood of Jesus Christ that saved people, that the same Christ on that cross that set us free also said, I've come to let prisoners be set free. And I've come that the lame can walk and the blind can see, and men and women, that's not just physical, at least spiritual. It is spiritual too. But that passage Jesus quoted comes from Isaiah 61, where it very specifically speaks about physical needs. So, what is this role we're doing? This role is everything. And you have a part. Maybe you're a good baker. And you can start reaching out in that way. Ask God. Expose yourself. Walk through this. I want to tell you a little about our own story uh, of how we got involved. We see the Pontius Puddle says, Something, Sometimes I'd like to ask God why he allows poverty, famine, and injustice when we could do, when he could do something about it. What's stopping you? I'm afraid God might ask me the same question. Right? Um, my conversion was rather radical. Uh, I was a young lieutenant in the army in active service, where for various circumstances God confronted me and a chaplain upset me with some very pointed questions, and after a day of soul-searching, I went to him about late at night to his tent and said, you upset me, calm me down, and I'll never forget, he said, Gil, I cannot calm you down, but I'm going to introduce you to somebody who will calm you down, and that night, he introduced me to Jesus, and my whole life was changed, and I was born into the kingdom, and as I got up off my knees, he said, Gil, you've got to go tell other people now about this change in your life. Because else tomorrow you're going to fall back in the same line and stuff you were in. People have to know you're different. Who do you go to 10 o'clock at night? I went to with my, the troops, my, the tent where my troops were. Walked in, they stood in attention. I told them, stand at ease. And then in about three, four minutes, I told them what Jesus did for me. And I still don't know why I did it. It does God. And I said, if any of you want to have a relationship with Christ and experience this, step forward. Two of them did. What do I do? I'm 30 minutes in the kingdom. What do I know? <laughs> I'm an ordinary person. Went out, 
prayed with him. I simply did what the chaplain did with me 30 minutes ago. And I say this because six years later, I got a letter from one of them. Elmer and I were already living in the U.S. And he said, Gil, I'm just writing you to say I'm still walking with Jesus. What am I saying? Ordinary people, nothing. God don't call the qualified. He qualified the call. Don't think I've got to wait to get certain degrees and certain training before God can use me. He wants to use you right now. Are you willing? Are you willing to serve him? Uh, Part of my story is um, the best thing that ever happened with me was God blessed me with Elmery, my wife. For 48 years now, we're married. For 50 years, we're best friends. She recommitted her life to Christ at that time. I was a new Christian. And together we started at this journey at university, and I was a, a junior when the one professor, religious professor, said, Gil, you're a square plug that will never fit in a round hole. Get rid of this born-again emotional nonsense. And I was so disillusioned, I dropped out of college and went to a place called Hapani, which is up in the northern part of South Africa. And among the Bolibedo, we lived beautiful villages. And God taught me and changed my life there. Uh, one of the things he taught me is not because, but in spite of who we are, that he used us. And it's just to use what you have. And he will change people's lives. We saw beautiful revivals, work happen. And then as we went back, we realized there's something more involved for us. And we had an old map, which we put up against the wall. And for more than a year, as we, we prayed, said, Lord, what's the next step? As God led me back to complete my studies, we realized we're coming to the U.S. for further studies. God blessed us in a productive ministry. We were church planters here. Our organization asked me to plant churches for them. And we saw beautiful things happen. Uh, I'll never forget, uh, I mean, we started the service really to work with people that have no knowledge of Jesus. We were in a very affluent suburb where we were doing this in the Midwest, this church planting, and meeting in a gymnasium of a middle school that was very unusual for that community. I mean, some of our people with us on the steering committee or the team, uh, the one person was previous CEO of Rawlings Sporting Goods and a vice president of Goodyear Tire. But these people loved Jesus, and they started living for him. And we were three weeks into our services. It was Mother's Day, and a person in a pink jacket came and sat in the front seat about where you sitting there. And I'll never forget, I was busy for about ten minutes. He was up and out, and he came back. And about five minutes later, he's up and out and came back. And then he sat through the whole service. Later that week, I got a call from him. And Greg said, can I come and see you? I said, yes. And he said, you talked about things that stirred things up in me. Long story short, that day, he embraced Jesus as his Savior. He said, the only reason I came to church is because my wife said, I told my wife, what can I give you for Mother's Day? And she said, come to church with me just once. And he said, I won't. I can't. She said, what about we go to that new church that's in a gymnasium? He said, I play basketball. I said, okay, I'll go there. (laughs) 
But this is not it. About three weeks after that, his wife called me and said, can I come and see you? And I said, yes. She came in and for five minutes she just cried. That's all she did. And then she said, I thought I was a Christian, but I want what Craig has. And she also came to know Jesus. God blessed our ministry. Um, it was good, but then something happened. We heard a speaker, Almery and I, we were in our early 40s. And he said, he preached from this passage, Psalm 90. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrows, for they quickly pass and we fly away. And his challenge was this, if you can live till you're 70, what are you going to do the years between then and now? And I figured out I've got 27 years. What now? And we were both convicted. We always said, one day we're going to go back to missions. One day we will full-time, maybe when we retire, we'll full-time get back and serve the poorest of the poor, which was a passion for us. And our church ministry always had that. But then God showed us something. Today is one day. And we had a new role to take up. And so, by God's grace, I became part of a group called Medical Ambassadors, and we stepped out by faith. And from suburbia, soon after that, we were ministering in the slums of Nairobi with medical ambassadors. Yes, and that is raw sewer you see there. But God blessed us, and Elmer and I began to experience life we never did. And just like Brian talked earlier on the video, our work is to empower people to do the work to be encouragers, to train, to help them be grounded in God's word, to be encouraged, and to see people's lives changed. And we meet such wonderful people, and like this group, we said, why are you doing what you're doing? And they say, well, we're compelled by the love of Jesus. Because they don't have to do it. They're there. We were in places that you and I won't call a church, but these were churches, and transformed lives. And they were ministering to one another and meeting the needs of one another. And into Asia we were, and, and places, one place there, Lombok, which is the island of a thousand mosques, and to see people's lives changed, and to experience God's grace. And among some of the most primitive people in Papua and on the islands of Indonesia, God blessed us. And we say, Lord, why did you use us? We're ordinary people. And the only thing we can say it's because God, in His grace, chose us, and He equipped us. And today, we're still doing the same thing with life in abundance. That's my workplace. When we go, and this was taken in April when we visited there. And by the way, with these churches now, Grace Fellowship Church, you are partnering with them. That's your sister church there, part of them. It's a different life. I don't know if you take your dry cleaners there, but... That's where we are, and schools which we're supporting and helping, and you ask that teacher, why is he doing? And he says, the love of Jesus compels me. He can teach at a different place. And as we meet there with the children, and you see that other teachers, and you realize they love God. And this pastor, sitting there with a gray uh, uh, um, jacket on, Hesbop is this church's name. He's been there for 18 years. And we were able to give them two bags of children's clothes that they used for the children there, which, because of your contributions on Sunday, we're able to do that ministry now. 
And it comes from the closet. The closet packed it for us. And I asked, why should churches name this? And he said, we took it from Isaiah. Because we read in Isaiah, it says very clearly, as you can see there, but you will be called Hepzibah, and your land Beulah, for the Lord will make, take delight in you, and your land will be married. The Lord will take delight in you. And he said, God takes delight in these people. I cannot leave them. They come in, they get off drugs, they get jobs, and they leave the slum. And another, others come in. What are they doing? They're bringing them in, they're building them up, and they're sending them out. We're partnering with them. Thank you for what you're doing. Uh, it's wonderful. I want to challenge you as we conclude this now to think a little bit different. The paralytic is a well-known story. It's the story where Jesus was teaching. And let's read it together there. You can follow on the screen or in your Bible in Luke chapter 5. One day, Jesus was teaching. And Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Someone came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. And when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on this mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can give, forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. And everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. Apparently four people carried this man. What was their role? Why did they do what they did? We've talked this morning about you have a role. That role is holistic or integral. It's proclamation and demonstration. God uses ordinary people. We minister to those who cannot do things for themselves. Why did they do it? Uh, sorry, I didn't move that slide on for you. The first question, the first thing is... Who were these men? And we already said they were ordinary people. Think of the disciples of Jesus, ordinary people. I always think, you know, when the disciples were selected, Jesus selected his disciples, I think a little angel in heaven ran around and said, good news, good news. The Son of God finally starts his mission and elected those to help him. Bad news. You should see who he chose. <laughs> right? Ordinary people. They were not equipped for the task, but God equipped them through His Holy Spirit. 
These men were ordinary people. But why did they do what they did? Can I submit to you? They were not obeying a command. They were compelled by something. First of all, they saw the need. Men and women, you and I have to see the need. That's why I encourage you, go to the immersive experience after our service. Pick up some of the prayer cards, and if nothing else, just start praying about something. See, God, what are you telling me? What is it? Uh, pick up a book. Read a book. There are several good books. This one, if everything is missions, it will help you understand the difference between a missionary and missional. If you don't see the need, you don't do anything. I dare to call him father. Beautiful story. You've got to read this. They saw, but more than that, they loved the person. But there's something else why they did what they're doing. They did for him what he couldn't do for himself. Serving others is never about doing for them what they can do for themselves. It's always doing for them what they cannot do for themselves. That paralytic couldn't walk to Jesus. There's one more thing. They did what they did because they believe Jesus would change his life. Do you believe that? Do you believe if I bring something to Jesus, if I can expose something to the aroma of Christ, the Holy Spirit can change that person? They did, obviously. And so, what did they do to get their friend to Jesus? They did whatever it took. They got there, they carried him, who knows how far they walked. They got there and there were a big crowd of people. And they could have said, well, we tried our best, let's go home, it's not possible today. And don't we do that sometimes? You're going to call somebody because you know you have to call that person. Maybe you have to do restitution. Maybe you want to build a relationship. Maybe it's somebody you want to visit and go knock on his door and just get to know him and say, invite him to church. And for a month you've been building up courage. And then you finally got to that house. And you, you knock. And you knock again. They're not home. And you say, I'm so thankful. Lord, I tried my best. Here I go. Right? They didn't say no. They did whatever it took. They got on that roof. How? We don't know. It's local resources. They didn't bring a ladder or ropes with them. They didn't wait for a committee. They are compelled. We say, we're going to do this. And then they took a big risk. They cut a hole in the roof. How would you feel if somebody cut a hole in your roof? I'll get up with a baseball bat there at that guy. They took that risk. They say, whatever it takes, we want to do it. That was their role. And they embraced it. Men and women, Brother Andrew said once, there's no closed doors to the gospel, provided that once you go through the door, you don't care whether or not you come back out. But this is important, but how did they do it? How did they do it? They had to work together. Through that hole, think of this as the mat on which the person laid, right? And if this was the person on it, they had to work together. If this guy said, I don't care, I'm out of here. Not only a paralytic person, but a broken head. 
A person once sat in my office and said, Gil, I don't want to come to church. I said, why? He said, I get hurt in the church. People in the church fight. They split. They don't care about us people. They care about their own agendas. I'm done with church. Men and women, if the main thing is the main thing for us, if the paralytic in South York County is the main thing for us, if that person who needs to get to Jesus is the main thing for us, we will be a united church. But the main thing has to be the main thing. And to say, how do we bring him to Jesus, working together? And forget my own little pet peeves and preferences. It's not about what kind of worship, how much worship, what kind of length of service, any of that. No, it's about people who need Jesus. Do whatever it takes. And then, what was the nature of Jesus' ministry? Was it physical or spiritual? Both, right? Proclamation. Your sins are forgiven. Demonstration. Be healed. And who received the the, the credit and the praise. This guy picked up his mat and he walked out home praising God. And when the people saw that scripture tells us, they were amazed. We've never seen this. And they gave praise to God. True mission work, true spiritual work gives God the glory. It's not the organization that feeds people. It's not a church that clothes people. It's God who gets the glory. We've got to be self-effacing. If I was those four guys sitting there looking through the hole down, I would have said, hey, time out. Give me a little credit. That's our natural feeling, right? No. God has to get the credit. Are we willing to be self-effacing? So with this I want to conclude. What do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe who he is? What compels you? I said in the beginning, the more you know about Jesus, the more you'll be compelled to serve him. Are you like these four men willing to do whatever it takes to take somebody to Jesus? Maybe you've got to examine who you believe Jesus is. Now, the Bible says Jesus is the Lion of Judah, right? And for some people, that's the lion. A nice, cuddly, stuffed animal. Because you see, when I'm panicky, when I'm in need, I need my comfort. But then when I'm okay, I can put it away and I'm fine. I don't need him. I sleep with my Bible under my pillow when I'm going through a difficult business deal. But when everything is fine, I don't need him. For some people, that's the Lion of Judah. For other people, another trick, another miracle, come on. Where are the smoke machines for the worship? Let's do it. It's a show. It's a circus animal, you know. And the bigger the fire, the better. That's who the line of Judah is for some others. Pure emotion. Show. For others, he's alive and he still roars sometimes. But he's old and he's in a zoo and we have to take care of him. He's in a cage. Because after all, if we don't protect the Lion of Judah, he will die. Oh, and if we don't contend for the faith and protect the faith all the time, Jesus and the Bible and the church will disappear. 
So yes, Jesus is alive. I believe he's alive, but he's kind of toothless. And I have to feed him. And for others, Jesus is nothing but a stuffed lion. Oh yes, he's a historic Jesus. And he's beautiful. But he lived 2,000 years ago. Today he's dead. And I want to see him so what he looked like. He's a good example. I can learn from him. And I want my children to learn about him. He's a good teacher, model example. But he's a stuffed, life-size animal in a museum. Now, I was born, my wife and I was born, and we grew up in Africa. I personally was born about 10 miles from Kruger National Park. My parents loved the National Park, and we visited quite a few times as I grew up. And I still remember when I was six years old, I saw a real lion. And that night in camp, we heard the lions roar. And men and women, when that lion roared, I was a seven-year-old boy and I wet my pants <laughs> because he's awesome. The lion roars and men and women, the lion of Judah is still alive. He doesn't need our protection and he's not safe, but he's good. And he's called us to be on mission with him. And we can faithfully bring people to him and say, come and serve him. And the question is, are you willing to do that? The line of Judah still roars. We read in the Revelation, the one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And men and women... If you study that passage, that's where Jesus overcame death. He's all-powerful. His command to us is to go forth. Trust me, I'm with you always. We don't have to do it ourselves. You've got to figure out what is your role. Be on mission with God. As the lion roars and people's lives changed, you can share in that joy. Who do you believe Jesus is? And what is your role in following him? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are who you claim to be. Holy Spirit, come and speak through your word to me, to all of us. Thank you for your people here. And Lord, we each has a role. And we want to do it. So as we go through the immersive experience after the service now, and as we read some of these books, and as we pick up prayer cards and we begin to pray, speak to us. And as a church, may we be in step of what you're doing. And thank you that it's not because of who we are, but in spite of who we are, you can and want to use us. And we say whatever, wherever, whenever, our answer in advance is yes, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.